The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Thank you so much for coming on out to Ambassador Baptist Church this morning. Looking forward to continuing our sermon series going through Ephesians, going through the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number two. That's where we'll be at for our text reading this morning. Ephesians, chapter number two, verses one through eight. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Nick. I had the privilege of working here at the Ambassador Baptist Church uh, with our connection groups and getting to interface with all of our connection group leaders, and I just love it so much. And I'll say this, if you're here and you're not part of a connection group, we would love to have you jump into one. So if you're not in one, but you're looking to make some friends and really build some relationships around the person of Jesus Christ, let me encourage you just to see me in the lobby after the service. We'd love to get you signed up for one of those here this morning. This morning, we're going to continue our message series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? We're going verse by verse through the portion of the Bible that we call Ephesians, just looking specifically at our identity in Christ. Who does God say that we are? And so that's what we're going to continue studying this morning. In your service programs that you should have received on your way in, you'll have an outline that you can use. Hope that's a help as we study the Bible this morning. If you would please stand with me as we read God's Word. We'll be reading Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through verse number 8 this morning, and then we will dive right on into our study. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number two, starting in verse number one, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in the times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I love verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. And get this, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. This morning we're going to bring a message simply entitled, I am saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your wonderful cross. And Lord, I just ask that this morning... As we look into your word, we would realize, Lord, that we are saved. And not just understand it intellectually, Lord, but that it really would change our life. That that fact would change the way we live. Father, I just ask that you'd be with us this morning. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever felt like in your life you just couldn't catch a break? This past week, I, had the, I celebrated my 28th birthday and birthdays are great. People all over social media that you don't even really know are telling you happy birthday, and they make you feel really special, and it's awesome. And I had a, fe- a friend of mine, a pastor friend in New Jersey, he sent me a gift card uh, through Twitter for my birthday. He sent me a gift card for a free cup of coffee, and I was like, man, that was really nice. I was really excited about that. He sent me a cup of coffee to the, pl- well, I won't tell you what it's called, but it, uh, it rhymes with Arbucks, okay? Um, he sent me this free cup of coffee, and I was really excited. I was like, man, that was so nice of him to do. So glad he was just thinking of me, and all I had to do was send in an email, and I would get a gift certificate for my free cup of coffee. So I send in the email, and really quickly, right after that, I get this reply that says, uh, I'm sorry, we cannot help you. Call this number. 
I was like, oh, man, that's kind of a bummer. But so, hey, I'll, I'll call the number. So I called the number, and I said, hey, a pastor friend of mine, he sent me this cup of coffee for my birthday, and the email said it wouldn't work, but they told me to call you guys to get my free cup of coffee. And so I called them, and then they're like, uh, we're sorry, we just continued that program. Have a nice day. And I was like, what? It, it was my birthday. You're not even going to say sorry, but here's a cup of coffee anyway. And I was telling the story to my wife, and she said, well, check your email. They should have emailed you because it's your birthday. They'll email you a free cup of coffee. So I checked my email, nothing. She's like, well, check, check your, the, the app on your phone. Check the app. So I checked the app. Nothing. I'm like, they forgot my birthday. You know, I just I was not catching a break here. And then two days later, right, we're out and we had a few extra minutes. And so Sarah's like, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. I'm like, I don't know, babe. They kind of forgot about my birthday. I was still a little bitter. I was like, I don't, I don't want to go. She's like, oh, let's go. So I was like, all right. So we go. And we order our drink. She orders a caramel blue a frappa, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. She gets her drink and I'm like, black coffee. You know, I'm good, right? So we order our drinks, we sit down. A few minutes later, they say, Sarah, we have your order ready. So I go to get it for her, and it's, it's only one drink. And so I'm like, ah, they're probably still making mine, you know. It takes a lot longer to make black coffee than whatever. Um, so I go, I give her a drink. We're sitting there, we're talking. She's enjoying her drink, and we're sitting. About 10 minutes go by, and I'm kind of like, nothing, you know. And so finally, we got to go. And so I get up, and I said, hey, I, I ordered a drink, and I, I didn't get it yet. And they're like, oh, we had it right here. We forgot to call your name. I was like, are you for real? I just cannot catch a break with this place, you know? Maybe you felt like that at some point in your life. Like, you just couldn't catch a break. Maybe it was something silly like, you know, Starbucks. Maybe it was something a little more drastic, you know? Like, maybe at work, it just feels like things aren't going your way, and you just can't catch a break. Maybe it's in your personal life. You just, you feel broken. The truth is, that's what sin does to us. It breaks us. There's a lot of us in here, you could raise your hand and you could tell stories about how you have felt some serious effects, some serious brokenness as a result of some sin. Maybe it's your sin, maybe it's somebody else's sin, but you've, in some big ways, you've felt the effects, you've felt that brokenness. Maybe for others of us, it's not maybe something as big, maybe it's, you know, something smaller, just the day in and day out. You hear the news, um, I think a couple weeks ago, that, that little girl that was caught in the crossfire of a gang shooting. I think about just, just yesterday, I think I saw an article. There was another teenage girl, just wrong place, wrong time, caught in a crossfire, shot in the face. The doctor said she had to lose her eye. And you, you look at the sin around us, and it, it breaks you. You feel the effects of it. It just it wears you out. The truth is, that's what sin does. Sin has broken all of us. We could say it this way. Sin breaks all of us. We all feel the effects. We have all been broken by sin. The truth is, sin will always continue to break things. When you look at our world, that's why, that's why it, our world looks broken, because sin is continuing to break it. Let's look at back at Ephesians chapter number two. We'll see the Apostle Paul, he's kind of describing this condition before Christ. Before Christ, we were lost. We were broken in our sin. And the Apostle Paul, he starts to describe it here in Ephesians chapter two, and he says, you have to quickened who were. So before they were quickened, before Christ, when the effects of sin were still on the life, what were they? They were dead in trespasses and sin. They were spiritually dead. They were not alive in Christ. They were dead. Wherein in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. What he's telling them is, before Christ, literally, we were followers of this world. And we're not talking about, like, a follower on Twitter. We're talking about someone who follows wholeheartedly. You could say a disciple of the world. He goes on to say not only a follower of the world, but also a follower of Satan. A follower of Satan. You see, that's pretty extreme. It is. That's what sin 
does to us, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also you had your conversations in times past, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Paul's saying here, before Christ, people just did whatever was good for them. Before Christ, you fulfilled the desires of the flesh, whatever, made, whatever makes you happy. You're always looking out for number one, right? Before Christ, lost in our sin, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And get this, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Not just, oh yeah, you have some bad behavior, but you have a good heart. No, Paul says by nature, your very core, who you are in your heart is corrupt. It's wicked. Can I say this? Without Christ, it's broken. It is lost. Which leads us to our first thought this morning. I was lost. Before Christ, all of us could raise our hand and say, I was lost. We were lost without Christ. You see, our sin had made us enemies with God. Because of our sin nature, because we were against God, we were enemies with God. Without Christ, we were lost. The life apart from Christ is a life accordance to the world. Without Christ, we were lost. We were driven by our fleshly appetites. Apart from Christ, people are dominated by a selfish orientation. Just whatever makes us feel good, we are lost. Notice Romans 3, chapter 10. I think we're going to throw it up on the screens. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. The, uh, the passage goes on to continue to say, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Destruction and misery are their ways. And the ways of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Notice how many times it says, there is none good. There is none that doeth good. There is none that seeketh after God. The truth is, without Christ, we are lost. I was lost. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's all-encompassing. All of us have felt this brokenness. We are all lost without Christ. Colossians 1.21, and you that were sometimes alienated, get this, alienated, and enemies. Not just, oh, you know, we're not on speaking terms. No, you were alienated. You were enemies of God. Because of sin, we were the enemies of God. Sin has made us lost. Romans 5.10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Before that reconciliation took place, the Bible says we were enemies of God. Sin has made us us life lost. Before Christ, we were lost. Uh, I told you a couple weeks back, um, a couple months back now, um, we were at my brother's wedding in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, you know, most streets and cities are set up on a grid, right? North and south, east and west. Really easy to follow. If you miss a turn, no big deal. You just kind of loop around. Well, not Lynchburg, right? Lynchburg is horribly laid out. If I was to compare Lynchburg to food, most streets or most cities, they're like um, a waffle, and Lynchburg is like a bowl of spaghetti. It's just horribly laid out, and it's so easy to get lost. And I didn't do a lot of driving, but we had to drive to my brother's uh, rehearsal, right? And now my brother's a Marine. All his buddies in there, they were all Marines and lawyers, East Coast, super formal. So everything's like right on time, right to the T. And I asked, and I was told it takes about 15 minutes to get from where we we're going to there. And so I was like, all right, so we're going to leave a half hour early. I am not going to be late for my brother's rehearsal, right? I was like, We'll go early. We got the GPS. So we started off, and I tell you, within five minutes, that GPS had us so turned around. We were so completely lost. I was so frustrated. We were calling people, and they're like, oh, yeah, turn on this street. And I'm like, I've passed three streets with that name. I do not know where I am. And, you know, like, I've never been to there. So I had, I, we're lost. And I was frustrated. And 
Sarah was trying to speak peace to it, and she was like, no, it's okay, we'll get that. I'm like, it's not okay, we're lost, I'm going to be late. You know, I'm just like freaking out. The truth is, that's what sin does to us. It makes us lost. We are lost. And while the effects of that, in that moment of being lost, was I was a few minutes late, the consequences of sin are far more drastic, they're far more severe. The consequences of our sin, the Bible tells us, is the wrath of a holy and righteous God. And we deserve it. It's not like we could say it wasn't fair. No, we deserve it because we were enemies with God. We were sinned against God. We were by nature. Our natures are corrupt, and God says that has to be punished. That sin cannot just go. And so we, by nature, what we have earned, what we deserve, is the wrath of a holy and righteous God. When Jesus was talking and teaching, he um, used the term Gehenna. A lot of times in our New Testament, that word is translated as hell. And Gehenna, if you study it out, was actually a valley outside of Jerusalem. And it was really kind of like this pagan place, and a lot of weird things would happen there. And it became very um, taboo for the Jewish people. They wanted nothing to do with this place. And so over time, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, literally it just becomes this valley of trash. It became like the public dump, and it was gross. And it's like where everything go that they didn't want, they would dump it in this valley. And once it got full, what they would do is they would just burn it and start all over. So I want you to imagine, Jesus is saying the wrath of God, the punishment of God, what we deserve because of our sin is Gehenna. Literally, it's this dump that's smoldering, and it's vile, and it's gross, and it just, these Jews wanted nothing to do with it. It was disgusting. It was foul. God said, Jesus said, because of our sin, that is what we have earned. The Bible says in Romans six twenty three, for the wages of sin is death. It's what we earned. It's what we get because of sin. Because of our nature was corrupt to the core. We earned that. The wages of sin is death. You say, Nick, why are we spending so much time focusing on our nature before sin? I thought this was supposed to be an encouraging sermon series. Why are we focusing on this this morning? The truth is, the more we realize our condition before Christ, the more we appreciate the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news for everyone. Because literally everyone is in desperate need of rescuing. Because of our lost condition in our sin, because we were lost, we desperately need Jesus. We desperately need the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news for everyone. When our hearts truly realize that the only thing we deserve in this life is the punishment of God, the gospel it becomes this beautiful and wonderful gift, and it takes on such a fuller and more real meaning. Why? Because we realize, I, d- I can't earn that. I don't deserve that. That is such a beautiful and wonderful gift. The darker we see sin, the more beautiful the light of the gospel will shine in our lives. We have to feel the full weight of the severity of our sin against God in order to fully feel the weight of his love and his kindness. That's why the gospel is good news for everyone, because we are all in desperate need of this rescuing. That's why I love verse number four. Look at it with me. But God, who is rich in mercy. So those two words, but God, that means even though we were sinners, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we couldn't do anything for it, God's about to show up, and he's going to rescue us. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. I love, I love this next part. Even when we were dead in sins, even when we deserved to be punished, even when we had that brokenness, that brokenness and that lost condition in our lives, even in the middle of all that, Christ died for us. And you have he quickened together with Christ. By grace, 
ye are saved and has raised us up to sit together with Christ. Where is Christ sitting? On the right hand of God. According to Ephesians, who are we next to? That's awesome. When we were lost and sunk deep down in our sin, God has lifted us up and set us together with Christ. And I love verse number seven. Verse number seven says that in the ages to come, you say, what does he mean? That in the ages to come, that means we still got more coming. One day, we'll get to see Jesus face to face. One day, we won't, we won't be, have to deal with the presence of sin. We'll be saved from it completely. It'll be gone one day. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God has rescued us. He showed us mercy. He loved us when we were unlovable. He made us alive in Christ. He has given us new life, a promise of a glorified body, power over sin, and he made us testimonies of his grace and love. God literally sent his son to be punished for our sins. Literally, God rescued us from our lost condition. Not only did God rescue us from the penalty of our sin, but he's also rescued us from the power of sin, which leads us to our next thought this morning, and that is simply this. I am saved. I am saved. You see, what Paul tells the church of Ephesus here is he's saying, you're not just saved from the penalty of sin, although you are. Our justification is a wonderful thing. That moment we accepted Christ and our Savior and we no longer were facing the wrath of a holy and righteous God is an awesome moment that needs to be celebrated. But Paul is saying here, your salvation is so much more than that. It's not just your justification. We are literally saved from the power of sin. I want you to notice Ephesians 2.8. We're going to do a little bit of a word study here. It says, for by grace are ye saved. For by grace are ye saved. I want you to notice those two words, are ye. Are ye. In the English, it's just, that's exactly what it is, are ye. But if you look at it in the Greek, those two words are actually one word, and it is a present indicative verb. So it's a verb, that means there's some kind of action taking place here. The fact that it's a present verb means whatever the action is, it's happening right now. So right now, we are saved. If you're in Christ, if you've accepted him, you are saved right now. You are saved. And as long as you can say that, you are saved. You're saved. We are always saved. Our salvation is eternally secure. We are saved. It's a present verb, but also it's an indicative verb, which means it is a statement of fact, regardless of anything else, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what somebody may tell us. It is a fact that we are saved. Nothing can change that. It is a present indicative verb. That means right now we are saved from the power and penalty of sin. You see, we were dead and Christ made us alive. We were enslaved, now we're enthroned. We sit together with Christ in the heavenlies. We were the objects of God's wrath, and rightfully so, but now we are the objects of his grace and his love. We walked among the disobedient, now we fellowship with Christ. We were under Satan's domain, now we are in union with Christ. The Bible says this in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What Paul is telling us to the Romans and the Ephesians is you are literally saved from the power of sin. Sin has no power over our lives. So what's this mean? Well, we're going to do a little object lesson this morning to kind of illustrate this. This cup will represent Jesus. This cup will represent sin. And this cup will represent us. It's a good looking cup. All right, so here we go. We're going to pour, going to pour Jesus in this cup. Just kidding. Now for sin, and now for us. 
It's really hot up here, guys. All right, there we go. So we have Jesus, we have sin, and we have us. Because of sin in our lives, we have been tainted. Because of sin, we are separated from Christ. Because of sin, we are lost. Without Christ, we are lost. But when Christ came, he changed all that. Saved from the penalty of sin. Now, but get this. Not only are we saved from the penalty of sin, we're also saved from the power of sin. So when you're frustrated and you're tempted and somebody is driving you nuts and you want to lash out at them in anger, when you're tempted to sin, get this, sin has no power over you. When your coworker is driving you nuts and you just want to give them a piece of your mind, get this, has no power over you. When you're angry and you're frustrated, I keep saying that a lot. I think it's because I struggle with getting frustrated. <laughs> when you're bitter or when you want to gossip and you got a juicy piece of gossip and you just want to spread it around, get this, has no power over you. Sin has no power over us. You see, because of Jesus, not because of who we are, not because we're super Christian, not because I got it all together, but because of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is inside of us. Sin has no power over us. So literally, in those moments when you are tempted and you want to sin and nobody else is around and you know, you think, you could, I could get away with this, nobody's looking, sin has no power over you. When you want to lash out in anger, when you want to just give someone a piece of your mind, when you want to get even with somebody, sin has no power power over you. You are literally saved from that temptation. You are literally saved from the power of sin. Sin has no power over us, not because of us, but because of Jesus, because of the gospel. That's why we can sing in church, oh, the wonderful cross, because it literally is a wonderful thing. It's the best thing we could ever receive, that gift of salvation, that gospel. Man, when things aren't going our way, and when we want to get angry and to get upset, and, or when we feel the brokenness of sin and we feel the brokenness of our world, just remember, it has no power over us because we are saved. I want you to imagine with me in your mind's eye living free from sin. Imagine your life free from the power of sin. The things you used to want to say and gossip about, you're free from it. It has no power over you. When you want to get mad at people, it has no power over you. When you want to get, it has no power over you. When there's children running around and you want to, that frustration has no power over you. Because of Jesus, we are free. Imagine living your life free from the power of sin. That's exactly how Jesus wants us to live. Jesus wants us to live free. That's why he sent us his son. That's why the gospel is so beautiful. Because in and of ourselves, we saw we're broken. We're lost. We can't do it. But with Christ, we can. We are free from the power of sin. Sin has no effect on our lives. We are free from sin. Yes, we will still stumble and we will still sin. We live in a broken world. 
we're still dealing with our own brokenness. And when we do, thank God for his mercy. When we do sin, thank God his mercy is right there to pick us right back up. But know this, we're free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Sin has no power over us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.